Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. For St. Louis, it was a long, violent summer. Homicides have remained stubbornly high, and this year 10 children were among the victims. Ross McNutt thinks his company could help the city grapple with that problem. His firm is called Persistent Surveillance Systems. It has developed technology that allows it to monitor a broad swath of a city using an airplane. Pilots flying high over an area capture high-resolution video that can later be used to zoom in on the scene of a crime. People using the technology can then follow anyone spotted at the scene back or even forward in time, learning where they came from or where they later went. By highlighting which security cameras they pass along the way, the images could make it easy to identify them. It's a huge leap forward in technology. Cedric Redman is a community activist who goes by C-sharp. He wants to see the city implement this technology. Here's his explanation of how it would work. So there's a two-year-old little girl. Her name was Kennedy Powell. Okay, she was shot in a drive-by shooting in front of her house. What this would have given us an opportunity to do, say like if that happened at 1.35, we would have been able to go back to 1.34 p.m., whatever, and get a pixelized image, pixelized, so you can't see anybody's face, you can't see anybody's makeup, you know, no race, no sex, no anything, just a pixelized image of the entire scene. And you would have been able to confirm that a shot was fired through ShotSpotter. And that surveillance would have allowed us to go back to the scene and and look at the behavior of those pixels. And we would have been able to see a car skirting off, blowing through stop signs, blowing through red lights. And maybe get an opportunity to rewind and see where that car came from, what house that car came from. Or how many times did that car stop at a Burger King or a gas station or something before they even got to the scene to where we can identify the people that were in that car? That's Cedric Redman, better known as C-Sharp. Now, a pair of Texas philanthropists are now offering this technology to St. Louis to use for three years for free. The only catch? Well, how do you feel about being part of a pilot program that allows police to track where you are and where you go after that and where you go after that? Despite several pushes in the last five years, no other U.S. city has signed a years-long contract for the technology, in part because of concerns about what citizens would give up in exchange. Joining us by phone to talk about it is Persistent Surveillance Systems CEO Ross McNutt. Ross, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We're also joined in studio by St. Louis Alderwoman Annie Rice. Alderwoman Rice, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, for those of you listening, we'd like to invite you to join the conversation. How much privacy would you give up to see a reduction in St. Louis crime? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Ross McNutt, you first developed this technology for the military. What was the idea there? Well, the intent back then was 2004. We were losing the war in Iraq as we were losing hundreds of soldiers and civilians to roadside bombs. And the idea was that we would be able to take an image of a city, Fallujah, Ramadi, and be able to watch the explosion occur, go back in time to watch who was there at the, before the event, follow them from the explosion back to the houses that they went to, and backwards in time to the houses that they came from, in order to provide information that would allow you to figure out who exactly planted those. It's the same sort of thing we do with murders and shootings and other sorts of things. 
by providing the locations where people came from and went to before and after the murder, you're able to identify and provide information to investigators that will help solve those crimes. And after um, this initial rollout in Iraq, you were able to have some success in Juarez. What did they use it for there? Well, we've done a lot of operations internationally. Juarez was an operation where we were looking at uh, very high murder rates. And by going in there, uh, we were able to identify where murders occurred and we were able to follow the people to and from the murders. In the first couple of months, we witnessed 34 murders and had confessions that accounted for 75. And they were able to to get those confessions because of suspects that you guys tracked down? Correct. Okay. So we were able to follow the people to and from the crime scenes. In the first hour, the first full day of operations there, we witnessed two murders. One was the execution of a female police officer. Another one was a cartel-on-cartel killing. And in both of those cases, we were instrumental in helping to solve those cases. Okay. So how did you find yourself then, fast forward a couple of years, how did you find yourself making a pitch in St. Louis? Well, my program, uh, the program that we offer is called the Community Support Program. And we believe that this will help major cities reduce their major crime rates dramatically. And when you look at the United States, there are two major cities that stand out dramatically above all the rest, St. Louis and Baltimore. We've been focusing primarily on Baltimore, uh, trying to uh, go through that program there to show the impact. We did an operation in Baltimore a couple of years ago where in the equivalent of 13 days worth of flying, we witnessed five murders and 18 shootings. And we were able to provide tons of information on those cases to the Baltimore Police Department. Um, That program was not announced, which was wrong. And we knew that. We insisted that they did announce it, but they didn't. And that kind of screwed up the politics there. We Baltimore people, people were, were pretty upset when they learned this had been happening. Yeah, and, and so were we, because to be honest with you, we wanted it to be very public. Two-thirds of what we hope to do is deter people from committing crime in the first place. We reduce crime in a number of different ways. One, we help solve otherwise unsolvable crimes. By doing that, we remove the repeat offenders earlier in their criminal careers. We want to stop someone after they shoot their first person, not after they shoot their 10th or 11th. Mm -hmm. That saves a lot of people. But more importantly, by solving those crimes, the goal is to deter people from committing crimes in the first place. And there's no way to deter somebody if they don't know that you're there. Mm -hmm. So we want to be very public. We want everyone to know that we're there. We want to brief every single high school kid as a way of quickly spreading it across the community that this capability is here so that some kid who's thinking about shooting somebody walks outside, sees an airplane fly by, and says, maybe not today. Because deterring a crime is 10 times more important than having to solve it because I not just save the victim and their family the grief, but also the shooter and their family the grief of them being caught and imprisoned. So I understand there, there's a physician um, living out in Lake St. Louis, and, and he was interested in bringing this to St. Louis, being aware of, of the crime problem that we do have here. And so he started setting up some focus groups. He ended up inviting Cedric Redmond, who we heard yep. from earlier, C-Sharp, um, to this focus group, and he was sold. Here's what Cedric had to say. We have 156 murders in the city this year. 112 of them are unsolved. People are vanishing. I just think that this answers a lot of questions. It answers a lot of issues. You know, we set aside $5 million for cure violence. This is free for three years. Cure violence is needed. Prevention is needed. 
Education is needed. Okay, Um, people going in who know the neighborhood to go and talk to people who live in it is needed. But guess what else is needed? Okay, people who are burying their loved ones, they need closure to know that that person is suffering a punishment and or going to be tried for the death of their loved one. That's not happening. You know, we could talk about mental illness. We could talk about lack of education and all that stuff. That's preventable. Right. But I just feel like the day that you pick up a gun and you shoot or the day that you pick up a gun and you kill somebody, that prevention mechanism goes out the window. Now, you know, you need to be tried for the action that you committed. You know, and the fact is, is that I've got people that I've known and that I've, you know, held to a high esteem in my life that's been shot and killed and murdered. And we don't know. What happened to them? We don't know who did it. We don't know where they were. We don't know who they were with. We don't know anything. They just vanished, you know. And me, Frank, I'm just tired of seeing people disappear. That's C-Sharp. He ended up inviting Ross McNutt, who's who's here on the line with us today, uh, the CEO of this company, to a committee meeting of the Board of Aldermen last week. Alderwoman Annie Rice, um, did you have any um, heads up that this was coming? How did you find out? No, I'm so... I'm not on the public safety committee, so um, that's not a that's a committee that I keep a close eye on, and I do it frequently attend the meetings if there's something on the schedule, um, on the agenda that looks like I did something I should be a part of, um, and it looks like it was just a presentation from C Sharp's organization, um, which is you know kudos to him for continuing to do that, but. It, this was not on the scheduled agenda of this presentation from the company. So um, I learned about it after a couple of news articles went out that evening saying a board of, a panel of Board of Aldermen approves this program. And I had I knew nothing about it. And it turns out they had not approved this program. It was more the beginning of a discussion. But what was your initial reaction when you started learning about sort of the nuts and bolts of, of what Ross McNutt is talking about here? Sure. So I was approached back in June when the first news stories said, you know, this this company is um, coming to St. Louis and wants to it's wants to start investigating this as a market. Um, several constituents reached out and said, no, um, please, please keep this from proceeding. And so um, I looked a little bit into it, but not too in-depth. Um, and so then it's been sort of a, a flurry in the last week to to gather as much information as possible. I've been listening to podcasts and um, reading news articles and follows up on, um, you know, Baltimore and the places that it's, um, you know, been sort of tested. And um, my, my initial reaction is airplane surveillance is, is not really something that I – want to live under, right? To to say, oh, look, there's the plane in the sky again, and, and they're watching us. And I get complaints about helicopters flying over um, either for the hospital or for um, tourist things. You know, people don't, people don't want to see that um, generally. But we, we do have a significant problem in St. Louis. We do need to be able to solve crimes. Um, but I'm, I'm concerned on, on a number of accounts about oversight into the program about really building community relations as a part of this. Um, how is this building relationships between law enforcement and the community if we're just surveilling people? Um, why do we why do we immediately jump to surveillance, particularly in communities of color, when 
you know, we should be looking at, you know, further investment in the communities um, to, to build that trust in a, in a real way. So um, I, have, I have a lot of questions, and my initial reaction was, I'm starting at no, convince me otherwise. <laughs> so Ross McNutt, that's, I guess that's kind of a challenge for you, and I, I don't mean for today to become sort of a one-person tutorial where you're trying to convince older women rice otherwise, but you've heard these privacy concerns in other cities. Um, the ACLU's Jay Stanley wrote this about the Baltimore tryout. He said, it's like giving the government a virtual time machine, which allows them to go back and retroactively surveil any of us at any time. It's the technological equivalent of having a GPS attached to each and every one of us every time we walk out the door. This is a technology that promises to do for our physical movements what the NSA has aimed to do with our communications, collect it all. Simply put, that is an enormous amount of power to give to a government agency. Um, So Ross, what would you say in response to concerns like what Annie's saying and, and what the ACLU has said? Well, one, we we intend to be absolutely, totally open. We have lots of privacy programs in place. a matter of fact, I requested a meeting with Jay Stanley and briefed him, along with others at the ACLU, and took their input, and he actually had me brief one of their privacy conferences, best attended session, where he introduced me as his worst nightmare. However, he said, but McNutt is very, very open about everything that he's doing, and is sharing that. Now, we've built a wide range of privacy policies. One, we only look at reported crimes. So people, the only place we ever look is where someone is called in and said someone was shot, someone was stabbed, someone was robbed. So we go and look at the reported crimes and follow the people to and from those crime scenes. People, the our image resolution, you said high resolution. We are very high resolution over the whole city, but at a, at a person level, mm-hmm. a person is a single pixel, and you can't tell anything about them. You can't tell what color they are, what sex they are. You can't tell if they're dressed or not. All you can tell is that this dot runs away from a crime scene, typically jumps into a car, and then drives. And so that's what we're following is those dots. The other thing is, as part of our privacy program that we've built up, Every place our analyst has ever looked is recorded and reviewable, and we have tools for an outside oversight organization that is funded as part of this effort to oversee everything that we do. Every track we make, which is the basis for our investigation, has to be assigned to an ongoing approved investigation. Otherwise, you can't make the track, and all those tracks are reviewable. Some people say, well, what happens when your cameras get better? If our cameras get better, say they got 10 times better, that would give us 10 pixels on a person, which doesn't tell you anything more than a single pixel on a person because you still can't tell anything about them. But what I'd be giving up is I'd be giving up being able to watch 10 times the area and seeing 10 times the amount of crime. So we would rather fly higher and wider to see a larger area to solve more crimes with if our cameras got better. Okay. So we've built a lot of that into place. The Part of this effort has an outside oversight organization that provides that oversight and reports directly to the mayor as to what they found and other things. In Baltimore, we'd use a civilian oversight board. We haven't found that inside St. Louis yet, but we'll find one. And then the other thing is there's also an external evaluation program that looks at the impact of the program on the case level how much the information helps solve those cases, whether or not we got plea, uh, guilty pleas or convictions. The other part is they also measure the deterrent effect and the overall impact on crime. So it's a multi-prong 
uh, effort to evaluate the program. Okay. Ross, I'm going to have to cut in here. Um, that's Ross McNutt, um, who has an aer- aerial surveillance program. He's, he's pitching St. Louis on. We do need to take a quick break. Um, I know we have a number of callers who are here on the line, and I want to get to that when we get back. Um, we'll just be um, taking a very quick break, and then we'll continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. Before we get back to the show, we want to invite you to a special edition of St. Louis on the Air being recorded this Friday at 7 p.m. I'll sit down with NPR's Silicon Valley correspondent, Arthi Shahani, to learn about her new memoir, Here We Are. It's about the immigrant experience and Shahani's father's difficult journey to becoming a U.S. citizen. You are invited to join us. That's Friday at 7 p.m. It's a free event, but we ask that you register in advance. You can do that on our website, stlpublicradio.org events. And now back to our conversation with Ross McNutt, the CEO of Persistent Surveillance Systems. He's hoping to interest St. Louis in a three-year pilot program of his company's technology. We're also joined by Alderwoman Annie Rice. And Alderwoman, I know that you had a couple thoughts um, in response to what Ross McNutt said right before the break. What were you? Uh, what did you want to follow up on there? Sure, I I appreciate the the company's efforts um, to you know detail the laws and it, it pertains to this type of surveillance and um, as far as oversight. Um, I I do think that um, I would echo Mr. McNutt's sentiments that this is moving so quickly here in St. Louis. And it's something that that tends to happen here is, you know, an idea catches on and then it does move very quickly. And and what what I would especially want to avoid here is um, the lack of community input, I think, that happened in Baltimore. And I think that he wants to avoid that as well. But so this this program is helping to do that. But just to get the awareness out there and to continue to speak to people in public, get out to community meetings and that kind of thing. Um, and just also a question sort of about tracking that, um, you know, we can we can get into more specifics later. But um, if the if the program is recording all of this information that is then available to an oversight organization, if someone were to sunshine request uh, that data, would they be able to see the video themselves? Would they be able to interact with that? Would a defense attorney be able to get into that? Do they what about what is, a divorce lawyer? Right. Or right. And, you know, and then what, you know, are how how do we protect this information from getting outside of you know looking at a, a certain set of crimes that we decide that this is what we're surveilling? Um, what if it gets to a divorce lawyer? What if it gets to um, you know immigration? What if it gets to you know shoplifting or just running a red light? Right? What what are those parameters that we set up and how do we do that in a in a community oriented way? Sounds like that could be really important to whether or not um, people like you would would be interested in continuing the conversation. Absolutely. Um, we have heard from a number of our listeners. I want to go to the phones here in a sec. But first, we got a couple interesting tweets, and interesting because they really show the divide on this issue. Kat tweets that last night, St. Louis had four separate shots fired events two blocks away between 6 p.m. and 1 a.m. There were eight fire slash arson events since May 2019. Forget privacy. I want to be safe on my sidewalk. And then meanwhile, also on Twitter, at StorySlug, writes, you can't just trade away everybody else's privacy to give yourself more security. So a couple interesting viewpoints there. Let's uh, let's go to the phones. Um, we've got uh, Sandra calling from Glen Carbon. Sandra, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. 
Um, this is an important conversation. I'm glad it's getting a lot of attention early on. And I share Alderman Rice's concerns about this contract or potential contract. Um, Ferguson obviously taught us that black communities in St. Louis are being treated as citizen um, enemies of the state. The way that the police came in, the National Guard came in and treated um, citizens and community members and occupied that that space um, and and used military-grade weapons, um, equipment to control people um, makes me very wary of applying, um, you know, military-grade weapons or military technology um, to our streets. Um, This technology is not going to solve um, St. Louis's violence problem. Um, We are not addressing the economic disparities of um, of the city. We're not talking about environmental racism. We're not talking about the ways that uh, communities of color are being uh, targeted. And we're not talking about the way that corporations are making money on this despair. Uh, Sandra, thank you so much for that call. Um, we appreciate that. Um, Ross McNutt, what would you say, um, obviously, some of the high crime areas in St. Louis are the very communities that minorities are most likely to be living in. Uh, what do you do to make sure that this doesn't end up becoming a tool that's just going to make that community feel like it's under persistent surveillance? Well, and again, the program's called the Community Support Program. And what we do, not only do we watch crimes occur, but we also support increase law enforcement accountability. We also provide information on police potential police misconduct. We also do def- support defense attorneys and public defenders. We're able to go back in time and review an officer's sworn statement that he may have seen activity at a house to get a search warrant. And in one case, we actually went back and the officer had sworn that they had seen drug activity. We were able to go back at the, and look at that house and review the information at that location in support of that public defender and show no that we only saw two people come and go from the house and magically that case just got dropped so not only do we are we able to investigate and help solve serious crimes but we're also as part of that understand memorandum of understanding we're authorized to support those public oversight organizations in reviewing police activities but we also support public defenders and defense attorneys in their efforts to support the people. Okay. One- um, I, I want to go back to the phone lines here. We've actually got another call. This is Ron calling from Ferguson. Ron, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Yes. I want to say any tool that you can use to arrest criminals is, is a good idea. It's like using DNA. No one would say that we shouldn't use DNA because it use, it's used to um, convict criminals. Uh, some of these tools actually help absolve innocent people. And so because they're so precise, so I could just look at the Central Park Five. If they had had cell phones, they would have been able to say that these individuals were nowhere close to that particular crime. So technology um, is a good thing if used properly. Now, I wouldn't like the federal government to use it to track people, but the technology is there. So if the federal government, when they decided to use this technology, no, pretty much other than the citizens, no one could stop them. Ron, uh, thank you for that call. I, I think you make some some interesting points there. Annie Rice, what do you think about um, what Ron is saying there, that this could also vindicate suspects um, who are said to be in a place where it turns out they weren't? So I, I think that that's an argument that is also used for body cameras, for example, on police. Um, and it 
it, it's complicated, right? Because you're yes, there is a potential to be able to absolve people and you know to um, follow up on maybe police misconduct, um, but there's there's so much data that comes in with this and. A lot of the communities that have instituted body cameras are are starting to pitch those programs because they uh, don't have the staff to be able to work with that amount of data. The um, circuit attorneys and, and prosecutors aren't able to sort through that amount of data. The public defenders aren't. And um, hiring enough people to be able to, to manage that, just, I mean, sheer time to go through those videos and that kind of thing, um, it's not it's not just a silver bullet on this. There's there's immense cost that comes along with this that if the, if the program and the the benefacting couple out of Texas is is planning on funding sort of this well-rounded piece that it's it's coming to defense attorneys and coming to everyone for free well then that's that's a better consideration but they're um they're there are extraneous costs on this that I, I think we need to take into account so um to me it's still how do we build relationships, right, so that people are willing to talk to the police, are willing to talk to prosecutors? How do we strengthen that relationship with the community so that we are able to solve crimes on a human-to-human level instead of relying on the technology? We did hear from a couple more listeners on Twitter. Laura says, data trails for oversight is great, but those safeguards haven't historically played out well. Federal, federal warrantless wiretapping, et cetera. Plus, all due respect, I don't really trust local politicians with this oversight, given our recent track record, um, probably referring to some of the actions of our, our St. Louis police. It's a hard no from me. Dave on Twitter writes, I thought since the Patriot Act, we are all under surveillance all the time. Everyone has a smartphone nowadays, and privacy is an illusion. Um, it's kind of a <laughs> it's a thought I think probably some people share at this point. We've already gone this far. Um, we also heard from Mary Rice. She's the legislative director for Lewis Reed, the president of the Board of Aldermen. She writes, please note in your conversation that there currently is no legislation or proposal before the Board of Aldermen. A private citizen brought this company before a few members of the Public Safety Committee. So yes, at this point, there is no official proposal. Alderwoman Rice, if somebody on the Board of Aldermen, and we've heard some are receptive, if they were going to move this forward, what would you see? Would this have to to go through the board since there's no financial expense here? Well, so that's actually a question. And the part of the presentation um, on to the Public Safety Committee included that no contract action is required by a city council review. No law, no ordinance or regulations are required and no city because no city funding is required. So that's both a maybe a positive for some folks, but also a negative when we are the legislative body designed to represent our citizens and their input in this. And so if if our input is not required, well, then what's to stop there to be a meeting between the mayor and the public safety director and rolling this out tomorrow, right? Um, and so that's that's raising a lot of red flags for a lot of my constituents that say we want to have an input on this. Let's go back to the phones. Um, Dot is calling from North St. Louis. Dot, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hello. Um, the spy plane company promises various privacy protections, but it owns the data and has various commercial clients, which it continues to court. How can we trust that the privacy promises, given these profit motives, which have caused so much disregard for privacy in the information age? And also, this company did not tell the people and city officials in Baltimore that it was fine over the entire city. Also did not do that in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, Dot, thank you for that comment there. Ross McNutt, have you ever sold the data that you gleamed while monitoring crime? Has that ever been something you've, you've given or sold to a third party? Absolutely not. And the other aspect is, is that we sign a memorandum of understanding, which details out exactly what the, what the data can be used for and what it can't be used for. 
and and all the other aspects of it. it dictates our privacy policies explicitly lists out which crimes the data is allowed to to be used for how it's requested by the public defenders and the defense attorneys and the oversight organizations and all of that service is provided to it i did want to point out is that you, uh, Annie mentioned about the other cameras and stuff. We make those cameras many times more effective because we're able to track the person from the crime scene past a wide number of ground cameras and then be able to go in to support those. So we actually, not only do we provide all the analysts that we hire locally, we also provide the analysis all the way through the investigation report that we provide that helps those detectives solve those crimes much quicker, much more effectively. Right now, I think St. Louis is down around 32%, 31% case closure rates on murders, and that's not enough to deter people because everyone thinks they're better than average. So you need to get to the point where if people commit crimes, they expect to get caught. That deters the crime in the first place. And again, we're going to be very, very open about everything. We are early in this process. We are making those briefings to aldermen and community groups and other things. We're out on the press to make sure people understand what it is, what it isn't, and that we fully explain everything what will happen is we will develop a very detailed memorandum of understanding between the company and the city. We would hope that that's reviewed and approved by the aldermen and also the mayor and also the police commissioner. And everything in there is basically documented and put down in writing that commits us to supporting it, commits the police department to supporting it, commits the political leadership to supporting it. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for that, Ross. Um, so right before we were about to go on the air, we did get wind that apparently there's already a protest that's been organized for City Hall this Thursday, beginning at noon. And I, I feel like based on the feedback we're hearing from our listeners today, there's a real divide on this. Annie Rice, do you have any sense from your constituents? Are they open to this at this point or are they kind of closing the door? It sounds like it's pretty polarized. Um, they There are plenty of Folks that have, like I said, reached out and said, you know, no, absolutely not. Um, and then others that have said, you know, we we need to try this out. This is something that we should consider. Um, and I, I think that that sentiment is going to be around the whole of the city. And so what are the, what are the ways that we can actually have a productive conversation around this um, and not just not just have meetings that are behind closed doors? Where can we get this out into a community forum Um in a way that, that we're really engaging with the information. Um, yeah. And Ross McNutt, just one last question here, and then we do have to go. Um, but are you open to doing some sort of like broad-scale community forum like, like Annie's talking about here? Absolutely. We're, we're very happy to, and we've actually requested that. We're fairly early in the process. Um, again, this is the first parts of getting that word out so that people understand what we do and what we don't do. In Baltimore, we've done 61 community meetings so far. Um, and we're actually looking to do those within the city of St. Louis. Part of this is getting that word out. That's why we're so open about what we do. We want people to know what we're doing, because once they see it, I mean, most of the times people say, well, is that all they're worried about? And once they see it, they, the biggest question we get is, why aren't we already doing this? Well, Ross and, McNutt, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on to explain this stuff today. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, Alderwoman Annie Rice, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. We want to say thank you to everybody who's called in who we didn't get to. We really appreciate And hopefully next time um, we'll get to your call. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.